Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Each week, we will take you inside the brightest minds of the most highly regarded executives in the world of enterprise-level revenue operations, marketing, and sales with a focus on the future while creating successful wins today. Now, here's your host, Justin Michael. Welcome back to Vendor Neutral in the Neutral Zone. This is Quantum Leap with your host, Justin Michael. Today, I am joined by Patrick Mulkey, who is a Director of Sales for the U.S. for Gordon Food Service. How are you today, Patrick? I'm wonderful, Justin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. So uh, this show is all about the future of the enterprise and enterprise sales. It's something that you know a lot about. If you talk to us a little bit about your background and your perspective on the subject. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my background is I've actually been with Gordon Food Service for about 21 years, all in sales. Uh, did everything from uh, being a frontline seller to uh, frontline sales management, worked my way up to uh, recently, I was doing training and enablement uh, for our team. And it was interesting because we'd never had a training and enablement team, director, nothing like that in the organization in, in our 120 year plus. And so that was fun to create that and uh, really align our training teams and such. And then most recently uh, during the pandemic, uh, took over sales ops as well. So combined that training and enablement and the sales ops. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I've been doing for the past 21 years. You know a lot on the subject, so they say that there's going to be all this new stuff that's happening, but I think the human brain is the same as it was 20 years ago, but what are the modern approaches as people try to digitize their sales effort and cope with the pandemic where a lot of us are now finding ourselves remote, having to do these large deals that take a lot of trust building and in-person brand equity, but we can't get in person. How do you approach this challenge? It's a challenge for all the listeners. Yeah, so it's interesting with our, our sellers, uh, primarily before the pandemic, have been a face-to-face -face selling. Uh, that's typically been our industry, um, and it still is heavy. But what had happened during that pandemic, our customers mainly be in restaurants, is they didn't want extra bodies in the restaurants. Um, they were already getting a lot of uh, grief and uh, restrictions from the government, so we were trying to limit that. So we really had to shift to this, this uh, remote selling, which our sellers have never done before. And so it was our challenge as an organization to figure out how do we prepare them for that? Uh, how do we get them used to that? And most importantly, how we can shift uh, their prospecting, which was a, uh, the world before they would just go out and knock on doors and really do that through some random Google searches and how we can prepare them for that. So what we've tried to do is really refine our data sources to make sure that uh, we're providing them with relevant leads and relevant contact information, uh, working with some organizations that can help us do that. We've never had to do before. We've never had to turn to third party for any type of data uh, information, and then really positioning it in their forecasting, uh, in their forecast uh, within their CRM to make sure that they uh, know who to call on, who are the higher ranking, who are the priorities. Um, and we even put in there, it's pretty cool, we did something new. We put in what we're calling a thriveability score, uh, meaning that during the pandemic, certain restaurants were really thriving and certain ones were not thriving uh, based on how they responded to it. So we really gave our sellers direction based off that thriveability score on how to prioritize and who to call on and where to spend the majority of their time. That's really smart. I mean, multi-threading accounts is a really big deal because we should see that these buying committees are getting giant and it's hard and hard to open up budgets. Uh, there's greater controls. There's more of a business case that has to be proven to unlock the budget. Um, what are you finding as a sales leader 
in the enterprise that's helping you with these tech stacks? I mean, there's thousands of tools now that you can buy for your team. Uh, how did you build that score? Did you build that internally? And if you could talk about your tech stack selection and how you navigate uh, all the snake oil out there, uh, the wheat from the chaff, there's a lot of great players too, but you've been in for 20 years, so you've heard every pitch uh, <laughs> known to man. Yeah. <laughs> how do you help people navigate it? Well, you know, we're, we're a prime example of an organization that, that certainly needed a lot of help to, to do that. And uh, bringing on a group like Vendor Neutral is very, very helpful and, and help us to begin that. We're still in that journey. Like we're far from, you know, a point where we're efficient and uh, we have it, you know, we have it layered and, and we have, uh, we have it doing, doing well and performing. But we, we have this, what I call like Frankenstein. We just started picking up these random, you know, technologies and, and random things to help our sales team, whether it was a, a learning management system, uh, you know, uh, our CRM, uh, just all kinds of different things, our sales performance management platform, uh, a recognition software. And it just, it, it was a Frankenstein because we just kept building it one on top of each other. And our sellers were going to 20 different places to do 20 different things. And they were becoming very, very, very frustrated. So what we had to start to do is like kind of build out that workflow of, of what we want our sellers to do from start to finish and how we want them to navigate through that. So I can tell you, we're still very, very far from uh, being efficient in that. And we're very in, in the early phases of doing that, but we really started with the prospecting, right? That's the first thing that we do. Uh, that's our primary focus being, you know, market share is really what we want to go after. So we really had to align that forecasting tool with our sales performance management platform along with our CRM. And that's where we started, but uh, still a lot of work to do and we certainly need help doing it. And uh, I think we tried to do it ourselves and we just made things worse. <laughs> so uh, the big learning is, is uh, ask for help and those that are really good at doing it and understanding it. That's fantastic. I always call it the Frankenstack. I pulled that term from Alan Treffler who is uh, the CEO of Pega, formerly Pega Systems. He's a chess master. Um, let's see, what, what inspires you in sales right now? What type of content or use cases? What are you watching? What are you excited about? Well, it's interesting that we're, we're trying to, the biggest thing is what we're trying to do is help our customers succeed. When you think about our customers who are restaurants, they're facing a ton of adversity out there, whether it's government restrictions or just people aren't comfortable going out there. So. Uh, one of the things that we're trying to do and that we're faced with is providing our sellers with the right content and the right collateral at the right time and making sure that they're having the right conversations with our customers. And before what we had to do with that is that we had to use our homegrown system. We were relying on our sales managers to direct them, our trainers, and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't efficient. So I think working like an example with a content management tech, uh, tech stack, like, um, that has been a huge component of that is, is number one, streamlining your sales communication. Uh, what I find is most organizations, including ourselves, we had a sales communication problem. Marketing was sending them things. Their sales manager was sending them things. Merchandising was sending them things. The digital team was sending them things. And it was just like this, this nonstop thing of emails, right? So we had to streamline that, create an intentional choke point, and make sure our sellers were hearing one voice from the organization but then also prioritizing that to say, when you're in front of these customers, here's what you have to talk about. Here's what you should be talking about. Here's the collateral you should be sharing. That to us was one of the biggest uh, game changers of, of trying to you know, get our sellers to have those right conversations. And that what excites me the most is that they're actually out there having impactful conversations 
and hopefully helping our customers not only survive, but thrive through this time period. I love that mentality, you know, leveraging this disadvantage as an advantage and to thrive in these times. Um, you know, I would ask, where do you see the technology going, right? People are talking about these tech stacks really opening up a lot of, of a competitive edge. There's also kind of a return to the quality of selling. I talk to sellers they are kind of split. The problem is not enough sales training. Other uh, folks are, I can't get my tech stack right. How do you reconcile these two motions? And what are the skills of the future? It's a, it's a few questions and that's yeah. kind of the way this podcast goes, but whatever inspires you. Yeah, yeah, no, there's, that's a multifaceted question there. And I think the biggest thing that, that excites me and that what I say is the future is, is this idea behind recommendation selling in that uh, we, we give our sellers very good direction of who they should be talking to, what they should be talking about, uh, making sure they have the right resources to share those with the customers. And, you know, when 20 years ago, when I was on the street selling it, it you kind of, you created your own conversations, you created your own relationships. Uh, you just kind of made things up, right? You, you flew by the seat of your pants and that's not going to cut it in this environment. Uh, there's a, the situations are too complex. The customers are too complex. The deals are too complex. And that you have to be very um, intentional about what you're going to talk about, what customers you're going to see, who all, all the contacts and, and, you know, uh, how you're going to get buy-in from all those stakeholders within that organization. And we might, we have to make sure our, our sellers are prepared for that and that it's well thought out. So uh, that's the piece that we're going to be focusing on the most. And that's whether that's content or that's having a call plan prepared, uh, the, the pipeline ready, forecasting, telling them what good looks like. Uh, those are all components and, and there's all technologies out there that can help them do that. Uh, we just got to figure out how it all works together. That's the key is that integration and holistic system of the data. How are you um, working to train and enable your people on the new systems and to onboard them also? How is this impacting hiring? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, one of the biggest things that we found is useful is uh, we, we brought on a technology or uh, a sales readiness system. We partnered with a company called BrainShark. Everybody's, most people are familiar with them. And I think what, what they do really well and how they've helped us is this um, idea behind not only is training something that you take and you pass and that, you know, you get a score and you move on, but I, I like this idea behind readiness that I can take a training on something right before I go in and talk to a customer, before I go see a customer, have a conversation, then it's fresh in my head. I know it's like that like, uh, immediate in the moment type of training. And I think that's, that's been very useful to our sales force. And, and we're going to continue to focus on that to say, and you can't really take a training six months ago and recall everything from it. How can you break up into bits and pieces, but also have it in, a, in a, a, a way that it can be delivered right before you go in and see the customer. So it's fresh in your head uh, and, you're, and you're prepared to have that conversation. And that's, that's a piece I think it's going to really work for us. And then, you know, this old adage behind change management and adoption of data and, and, and technology or data and analytics uh, our sales force uh, still fights us on that, that, you know, I know more than the data does. And so if we are really going to get behind this, this data recommendation or sales recommendation type of technology, we have to really get them to adopt the, the data. So that's just a change, change management that we're going to have to work through. Yeah, I really like that. Um, keeping people motivated in these times is big, you know, sales and marketing, and there's a lot of burnout. There's a lot of repetition. 
Uh, you've been in the space for 20 years. Uh, what are you seeing that's vastly different and what is the same? How are you, you know, keeping people motivated from a mindset per perspective? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, we could get into the whole compensation and recognition, recognition type of things. And I don't want to go down that path, but what we found the biggest thing is, is that we're finding our sellers doing more work than they've ever had to do before, putting in longer hours than they ever have before. And what we're really focused on is moving those non, what I call non-revenue producing activities, those little tactical things that they have to do um, that, that don't really translate directly into revenue to say, how can we pull that off their plate? How can we automate that or, or what can we do to have someone else do that type of stuff so they can focus on revenue producing activities? Uh, whether it's, you know, data that they're having to manually input into CRM, say, how can we work with technology or a third party that can put that data directly into the CRM? So um, if you do that, you're going to get rid of a lot of their frustrations, right? And then you're going to save them. If you can save them an hour a day or two hours a day, that's time they can give back to their families or that's time that they can go focus on the bigger prospect or whatever that is. So it's that non-revenue producing activity. I really like that. I'm a huge fan of the 80-20 rule. Um, talk to me about data. It's the new oil. How are you governing your data, keeping it clean, finding good sources? I mean, there's more governance now with GDPR, post-CCPA world. Um, we're in the B2B sales realm. How do we keep our systems talking to each other, You know, get our reps to effectively reach out? Uh, a lot of this uh, the data-powered system, if the data isn't clean, we can't really unlock the artificial and intelligence machine learning promise of the technology. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I love that adage that uh, data is the new oil or it's more valuable than oil. So I've heard that quite a bit and that's so true. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we as an organization, uh, we're in our infancy with that because the, the trouble or the problem we faced is uh, third party data or data outside of our own organization is really hard to find on the, on the restaurant industry. It's just, it, it's not big enterprise type of customers or small independent restaurants, and it's really hard to gather. But what we have done is to say, how do we get better at using our own internal data and then benchmarking against what we do have? And that can tell us a lot about our customers. The first thing we had to do was clean up our own mess inside. I mean, we had, we had customer data, we had CRM data, we had uh, transaction data, all living in three different places, right? So how can we get that together and then the other thing we had to do is we had to clean up some of our metrics. And, and the biggest thing I can think of is around lost, what we call lost business. We, we had to start to define what lost business is. We didn't even know when a customer left us because we, we run on non-contractual business. A customer could stop ordering from us and we wouldn't even know it. Or we wouldn't even report it until it was a year later. I mean, that, that to me is just, it's an atrocity. So we had to start cleaning up some of our KPIs and creating single definitions of what a lost customer is, and then how do we measure that better? So honestly, it was a lot of cleanup of our own internal, and I think that's a lot of other organizations' problems, is you just gotta start inside before you start focusing on grabbing third-party or external data. Tell me about, a uh, great point, tell me about change management, right? So a lot of times you're the champion internal to your organization to bring about a new paradigm, mm -hmm. and you have to create a consensus internally there's other leaders that want to move faster. They want to disrupt themselves. Uh, what are some tips to uh, maybe rocking the boat or not rocking the boat? How can people prove it out, right? Is it, you know, test a couple vendors on a trial basis, show the results, you know, galvanize the team. How have you been effective in adopting some of these uh, sophisticated methods you've been using? You're in a legacy industry. 
So it's inspiring to see that you've had some momentum, you have some clout, but you know, beyond just like, well, he had the clout to do it. Well, you know, yeah. how can someone go from where they're sitting now feeling like, well, it's all sounds great, but, but how do I do this? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Besides the 20 years I've put in, I, I know a lot of people and I can leverage some of those, but honestly, what I find is it's, it's easier. It's easy to get, um, a consensus among like the C-suite and the higher level leaders. That to me is the easy part. The, the key to making these things work, and I think back to like, yeah, we just adopted a CRM system like five years ago, right? I mean, I know. But uh, when I think about when we rolled out that, the, the key to that was our frontline leaders. I truly believe that frontline sales managers are the key to making anything work in an organization, whether it's change, whether it's accountability, and it's through their coaching. But if you don't have their buy-in to begin with, then the change manager will never, will never happen. So we really focus on those frontline sales managers, making sure they understand why we're making the change, why it's important for the future, but most importantly, how it's going to make their life easier and it's going to, how it's going to make their sellers more successful. So I always start with the frontline sales manager. I think they're the key to most all organizations, especially ours, and you have to get their consensus first. How do you get sales and marketing to actually get along? This is like <laughs> you know, asking about world peace, but there are systems now. There's actually a new title, right? The chief customer officer who straddles marketing and sales, sort of just like becomes the grand mediator. And then there's marketing attributions. You can really see everything uh, within reason. Uh, how have you worked with marketing uh, within your, you know, your storylines and your career arcs here? To bring those two together, I mean, can you highlight maybe a time where there was friction and you, you know, how you tactically were able to overcome that, uh, whether by communication or bringing together advisories? Like, how, how do we do this? Yeah, I tell you what, I, I have a real life example, and it's when we, when we created our training and enablement team two years ago. And, and to me, it was a whole new world. But a perfect example of it is, is that we had a strategy, our, our marketing team had a strategy that they wanted to go after a certain segment of customers that they felt were the future. Um, they had certain attributes, whereas our sales team didn't feel like they were. So we had completely opposite saying, we want to go, this is what good looks like. And sales is saying, this is what good looks like. Well, what we did as a, an enablement team, and I think it's the key, if, if you haven't created an enablement team within your own organization, or if you're struggling, the key with an enablement team is to be that go between, between sales ops and marketing, and really to be that filter. And that's what we tried to do is we tried to filter what marketing was trying to go to directly to customer. But then we were trying to filter what sales ops was saying back to marketing to say, no, this isn't the right. And when we did that, we really brought the two teams together and we were able to come to a consensus of, listen, they're both good customers, but let's distribute certain resources against, uh, against or to those type of customers. So I think what it really takes is it takes a neutral team to bring sales and marketing together. And I think that's why, uh, you know, before COVID, you know, enablement was like the fancy word. And it was starting to gain so much traction. And, you know, we were seeing like 80% of organizations adding an enablement team or person because they truly are that person that I think they're a team that can bring them together because they want to see both succeed. Yeah, that's, that's a really great point. Um, let's see, how are you leveraging um, like the, the sales development aspect of things like i guess a subspecialization is a question as you break down your sales team for a go-to-market strategy talk to me about like account-based marketing it, has there been you know additional role specialization are you are you taking roles and focusing them further have you adopted an account-based marketing or account-based selling approach 
strategic vision for that and maybe some tactics or platform styles. There's a lot that goes into that. I remember being a part of a ABM program and the entire company had to log into the CRM just to clean the data because we had to convert everything from leads to contacts to account. And it took, you know, some bizarre amount of human hours to do it. But yeah, how are you approaching that? Yeah, that uh, we're we're in the infancy when it comes to that that methodology, and and the biggest challenge was is that our sellers, um, I guess you could say pre-COVID, they were do everything type of sellers. They prospected, they they penetrated, they grew the existing account, uh, they handled customer service issues, and then we did have a marketing team that would come in and support them. But I'm telling you, it, it was a perfect example. Is like the marketing team wasn't even on could even have access to the customer's profile in CRM. So how is marketing gonna come in and support this customer when they can't even access that customer's profile? It was just so disconnected. So the first thing we did, and like I said, we're in the infancy, is starting to break out the roles of the sellers, right? Start talking about development teams, uh, how do the marketing teams working with the development groups, uh, breaking out the account managers. And I know a lot of organizations already have these, but it was a big deal for us to start to break out those roles and define those specifically. So we got a long, long way to go, but uh, we are starting to define those. That's very cool. So um, we talk a lot about artificial intelligence and machine learning replacing reps. And, you know, people are, are talking about this. If you look at the analyst layer, um, but what are some, some, you know, use cases of maybe artificial intelligence, machine learning, some of the buzzwords where, you feel that it could help you uh, within sales and uh, maybe it's just a question about what technologies you're looking at right now that are exciting because there's you know there's buzzwords and there's the practical stuff I'm also curious what you would have technologists build for you I love asking that question yeah so we, we are actually in the um, right in the middle of testing a, a new technology a, a company that we've been working with and I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's called sales recommendations. And it's taking our own internal data. They're taking some third-party data and they're putting it together and it's pushing through CRM to give our sellers what they should be talking about, where they should be going, what they should be selling, opportunities to increase margin, opportunities to increase certain lines, upsell our brands. There's so many, they're called plays, like different plays that, that pushes to them. And I'm very excited about it. The cool thing is, is that as our sellers um, respond through CRM, like, hey, this was a good play, bad play, I got sales, I didn't get sales, um, their machine learning continues to evolve those plays and change those based off how the seller, the seller is responding to through CRM. So it's always getting smarter and always getting better, and it's refining the recommendations to that salesperson based off their responses, their wins, their losses on opportunities, all that kind of good stuff. So we, we have a handful of pilot markets that we're running on it. It's very cool stuff. And, and I think it just, it's that recommendation selling um, that, that I think is kind of that future. So is that in the realm of like algorithmic guided selling? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I know Forrester and Gartner and Serious Decisions and Topo and a lot of uh, analysts are talking about that, where as, as the seller is selling, you know, things are recommended, they're guided, they're, things they're missing are coming up. The management knows what to coach on, makes the one-on-ones more strategic because when you're managing these huge pipelines, it's hard to see everything. Uh, coming up to the end of the half hour here, um, what are some areas where people can find you and your work and follow you so if they want to find you online? 
Yeah, so the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, simple pat, you know, look up Patrick Malky, Gordon Food Service. Um, www.gfs.com is our website. You can find all of our sales leaders are available through that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it's it's uh, very exciting. Uh, we're a family-owned organization that's been around for 120 years. COVID certainly challenged us, um, but the exciting thing is that I know we're going to be around for another 120 plus years. So uh, exciting stuff for the Gordon Food Service family. That's incredible. Um, what's one of your favorite quotes? How about that? Something that motivates you or it could be business or anything. It's just kind of fun to ask people. Yeah. One of my favorite ones is, uh, so I'm a Purdue grad and I love John Wooden, Purdue grad, famous UCLA coach. And he always says, never mistake activity for achievement. And activity is great. And we always tell our sellers to do activity, but it never equals the achievement. That's a great quote. Yeah. It's all about smart activity. Um, very cool. So um, I'm really interested to find out what this te technology is in, in, in the spirit of neutrality. We might not mention the name on the show, but thank you so much for being a guest on the Quantum Leap. And uh, everybody check out Patrick Mulkey and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Quantum Leap podcast. Be sure to visit VendorNeutral.com where you can access the show notes, discover many valuable free resources, and subscribe to the podcast.